Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today doing our sermon recap. We are in our second sermon of our Christmas series that we've been doing together, looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. This week we found ourselves in John, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, where it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. All right, so the focus was on John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, one who would point people to Christ. Um, what do you guys think about John the Baptist? John the Baptist, has he got his due? Is he, is he well-known and appropriately known? Do you think he should be more central to things? What do you, where do you guys place John the Baptist and all this? Any thoughts? One of the things I think about John the Baptist is that, um, unlike so many Baptists after him, he doesn't seem to be very cooperative. Um, he's kind of a loner, kind of odd, um, but he doesn't really believe in cooperation. What do you think about that, Scott? I'm glad that you at least recognized he was the first Baptist and that we come from a long line. Yes. Um, yeah. And from the very beginning, we've been odd. We've been eating bugs and honey. Um, yeah, he's pretty. He's cool. kind of like he's kind of like he was pretty cooperative. I mean, let's be honest. Our image of of John the Baptist is basically like one of the Duck Dynasty guys yeah, out in the wilderness. Yeah. You know, just yeah. like that's that's our image. Uncle Cy, Uncle Cy, specifically. Hi, mm-hmm. not uh, Hi. not Da Vinci. <laughs> okay, not Da Vinci. Uh, da Vinci. That's not how he views John the Baptist. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. In his painting. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Which is very clean, clean shaven. Very, yeah, very shaven. feminine looking yes. John the Baptist. I don't think that's, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's the the image we get in the Bible usually of him. But who knows? You know, the funny thing is, I mean, that's true. Like, he could have had a really high-pitched voice. We really don't know. <laughs> we don't know. You know, yeah. we really don't know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. just things to think about, you know? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um. Has John the Baptist got his due, you asked? What do you think? Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I guess John the Baptist would want us. There's a lot of churches named after him. There's one in Monroe. Basilicas. Yes. Um, I think the one thing that John would want us to do is to listen. If, we were, if John the Baptist gets his due when we listen to him, and what John is always wanting us to do is what you preached about just to look at Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that's what John would want. Yeah. Um, that's what he tells us was his joy um, as the friend of the bridegroom. And so John's function in the Bible is consistently to point us to Jesus. And so to that extent that he does that, and that when we read him, um, we we do that uh He's getting his due, I guess. He's he's um he's not somebody that wants us to focus on him uh, by himself, but only insofar as he leads us by the hand, so to speak, to Christ to see the Lamb of God um, who takes away our sins. And so he's been blessed because all four Gospels have an account with John the Baptist. All four Gospels uh, talk about his ministry to at least some extent and uh, highlight. Um, his his role in bringing us to Christ. John really is a bridge. He's the last of the Old Testament prophets. He is um, the last of the 
in the line stretching all the way from Moses to through Elijah, um, through Isaiah, all the way to uh, him. And he, in the, the line of Old Testament prophets ends with him. Um, and really what he's doing is all of the, all of the, uh, the hopes and the anticipations and the longings of the Old Testament prophets find their fulfillment in John now, kind of personified in him as he is able to do um, in that last link of the chain to bring us to Christ. Um, and that's really his importance in the Bible is to be that last, that last link to really bring us to Jesus, to point to him. Because like we're told um, elsewhere in the scriptures, all the prophets in the Old Testament wrote of Jesus. They were writing about him. They didn't know exactly who they were writing about. They didn't know exactly all the details. And so here's kind of the 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 wonderful um the wonderful joy of John is to now be able to say all of our prophetic hopes and longings are now met in this this one man right here. So that's kind of his calling, I think, mm-hmm. in a sense. So there can be some confusing things though about John the Baptist with that. I didn't bring it up in the message just because of time. But uh he says, Behold the Lamb of God, but then later he sends people to Jesus to say, Are you Right. Are you the one mm-hmm. who is to come, or should we look for another? Yeah, what do we do with that? I mean, wouldn't we think, you're a prophet. You should know that that was your whole point. You know mm-hmm. that he is the one. Why Why is it being questioned later? I think there's a couple of, one interpretation could be that John is doing this not so much for himself, but for his followers. And so it could be thought of as John is not... Not himself doubting, but John knows his followers are doubting, and so he's sending them to him. On the other hand, and I think it's quite likely that John, you know, like all of us, is a he's still a sinner yeah. and still a. a, a and uh, he seems to be a fiery dude. So he's a very emotional been, there, guy. There could have been some of that where he was thinking he's in a low place, maybe. Where yeah, and and the the savior is going to come to maybe do some fighting and to change well, some think things. About it's it, right? not happening. Mm-hmm. He sins for that when he's in prison. And yeah. he probably knows I'm going to die here. Right. Yeah. So if I'm going to give my life for this, I better make sure that you're the one who's to come. Mm-hmm. Because remember, what's John been preaching beforehand? John was preaching like, and he's been preaching fire, right? He's going to come. He's going to separate the chaff, right? He's going to bring the, you know, he's going to separate. He's going to be this judgment going on. Um, you need to see this guy. You need to repent because the God is coming. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is coming even i think in some ways even shocks G- john uh, because instead of calling fire down to consume jesus is here forgiving healing the lepers raising the dead and that's why jesus says to john go tell him what you've seen because it fulfills all of the old testament passages right the dead the dead live the blind have their sight the lame walk all of these things are happening um and blessed is he who is not offended by me and so i think there's a good chance that John actually is really struggling and just wondering at the very last, like all of us, um, are you, am I really going to go to eternity casting all of my hope on you? Um, or not. And, and that's what he, and and that's what he does. It seems, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure he got the comfort he needed. Yeah. Uh You can hear Scott. He's leaving us. And I was going to say something similar. I, I think that too. I think just like a lot of the Jewish people, like the zealots of the day who had a 
thought or expectation that the Messiah would come as almost like a second Moses, right? Like politically, he would come and he would crush under underfoot the enemy, which would have been Rome and uh, and the corruption. And I bet as he's sitting there in prison and he's like, wait a second, is this maybe not the guy? Because mm-hmm. things aren't really moving the way, just like the road to, road to Emmaus, you know, we had hoped, right? Mm-hmm. We had hoped that the Messiah would come and, and you know, deliver our people Israel. And so uh, I think that was very, very much the case um, where he just kind of mis, perhaps kind of misprioritized his understanding of the Messiah. And that's why Jesus said, nope, tell him, let's report. This is what's happening. I am here. So, Yeah, there are things we don't know, too. It'd be interesting to know the relationship of John the Baptist and Jesus yeah. more. I mean, they were cousins. Um, they did live away from each other, though, because it says that Mary traveled to go see mm-hmm. Elizabeth yeah. and that. So we don't we don't know you know if they were cousins who who knew each other really well mm-hmm. or or not. Um, so, but they they were family for sure, and so he definitely knew about Jesus. Would have heard about him. It seems uh, that's how it would have went. Um, yeah, from what we know about John the Baptist, I mean, I I tried to spend some time there at the beginning talking about who is John the Baptist. Um, we we know his background, his lineage. From Zechariah the priest, um, and so he definitely was raised in the ways of the Lord. Would have known uh, the Word of God. Would have known the Old Testament. Would have known the the Torah. All that kind of stuff. Probably, probably very well. Um, the Bible even tells us in Luke. I don't know if I'm I'm not really turned there, but Luke one verse eighty, the very the very last verse. It mentions mm-hmm. how he's grown, right? What is it? Do you have and the child grew and became strong in spirit. Yeah, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Bible just tells how he grew. He grew strong, but also wise, right? And in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we know these types of things about him. We know the area that he was in, where he was, where he was ministering. These are all important mm-hmm. facts to know. And I kind of mentioned at the end how God was kind to us in giving us all these facts, right? We, he places John the Baptist in history, and we have it historically. Uh, we have it from other accounts as well, not just biblical accounts. There's other accounts as well. Um, what's the guy's name? He begins with an F. Flav- um, John Flavel? No. No. You're talking about the historian, yeah, right? Yeah, like Flav- um, Flavis or... F- oh, Josephus. Well, we do have that, but yeah, there was no, another there one. Was a, there was another uh, one, too. Roman, yeah. Yeah, who mentions John the Baptist, oh, you know, and, okay. and so it's not just... I think sometimes people take the biblical accounts and they don't count that as historical for some reason, <laughs> um, but there's other accounts that put him, his death with Herod, mm-hmm. not just in, in the Bible. It's, it's listed in other places. Mm-hmm. And again, God was kind to us by placing all of this in, in history, where we can we can say, as pastors, as teachers, as Christians, we can say, "Hey, look at the evidence. Go look at the evidence, and see that we're not making this up. We're not making these names up. We're not making their message up. It's in all kinds of accounts, and it's it's very much proven, and it's very much trustworthy mm-hmm. of what is going on here. and And that's one of the things too that we have biblically that makes it to me so trustworthy. Why would the gospel writer of John say that John the Baptist started to question things and went to Jesus? Because it does make it look bad, kind of. Yeah. So why would you why would you write that? Why would you give those accounts? And it's because this is just a historical account. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, this is what happened. You know, here was Jesus's response. This is what he yeah. said. 
which I and, think and, can, and also too, I mean, it goes along with um, John the Baptist is in is a uh, a second Elijah, um, which he says he isn't. But he's saying right? that yeah. he's like, I'm not. Are you the mm. prophet? No, I'm <laughs> yeah. one in the wilderness. But then later, Jesus says yeah. he is Elijah. Yeah. He was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and and what you know about Elijah is Elijah was prone to either great courage or great despair. Yeah. Right. So on the one hand, he's he's at the Mount Carmel, right, facing down all these prophets, brave. On the other hand, he's in the dumps and saying, "Lord, I'm the only one left. Mm-hmm. No one else cares about you but me." And John the Baptist potentially could have had that same temperament. He definitely seems to in the wilderness. He's a very. I mean, John the Baptist is a. Um, <clears throat> he's in many ways he's a he's a preacher of of. Uh, of repentance and therefore of law in many senses because he's mm-hmm. he's trying to scare you right he's I mean that's the kind of guy who preaches this right even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire um, so he's he's preaching that kind of language that's language of law of wrath of to convict you mm-hmm. to get you to Jesus. And um, that kind of fiery temperament characterized Elijah, and um, that personality can also be prone to great heights of joy, but also great depths of despair at times, mm-hmm. and so needs to be reassured of the promises of God's Word mm-hmm. in Christ. Mm-hmm. So what we know, like I said, of John the Baptist, um, his dad is Zechariah, Elizabeth is his mother. He was a preacher called out into the wilderness. He seemed to have great success in that. I think it was Alistair Begg I was listening to on John the Baptist. He was talking about, yeah, let's let's use John the Baptist like as our uh, um, our template for Ooh. ministry and how that would just fail, right? <laughs> would just, uh, be a weirdo. Uh, it's very opposite of today. Go into a rural area. You know, now it's about go to the cities, go where there's a lot of people. Nope, go out where nobody is, make them come to you, right? Make them come out to you, and then just tell them how bad they are. Just let let them know that they need to need to repent. And the reason is because the kingdom is coming, right? Um, it was interesting, but he had great success. People flocked to him. Everybody knew, everybody knew about him and knew who he was. There was quite a commotion going around in the town surrounding because of John and his and his message enough so that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had they, they wanted to go out to see what was happening uh, and what was going on. And he didn't treat them very well either, did he? Yeah. When they walked out there, it kind of reminds me of like listening or learning about John, George Whitfield, his accounts. I mean, he was very much like that. You know, You'd go out to the countryside, you know, wherever, and he would preach fire and brimstone. I mean, he would like you must be born again. And people, even Benjamin Franklin, was drawn to that and mm-hmm. would just listen because of all the hype. Yeah, and that's yeah. probably what was. What, well, who is this guy? He's very has a lot of charisma. A lot of passion, and God uses that. You know. Yeah. Also, it's important to be reminded too that <clears throat> John doesn't. John goes to the wilderness. The wilderness in the Old Testament is a very um, yeah uh, important place. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the forty years in the wilderness. Moses was in the wilderness. Elijah goes to the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, David, too. Uh, David's in the wilderness, mm-hmm. but especially here with the Jordan River, and I think that's not without importance that he baptizes them at the Jordan. The Jordan was the boundary. 
the Jordan was the place, remember with Joshua, where they cross over the Jordan mm-hmm. and the, 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 this is the same river where the priests went into the river and the waters parted as a sign of God's presence with them. And this is the place also, right, where they, um, uh, they had to recircumcise the whole nation in Joshua chapter yep. three or four, two, somewhere in there, uh-huh. because the whole nation hadn't been circumcised in the wilderness. Yeah, so they had to be reconsecrated back mm-hmm. to God as his people. Mm-hmm. And so similarly, there's all of these Old Testament things that we probably miss um, in why he's calling them back to this place. Mm. It's like, this is the special place. Let's go back to the beginning of our history and calling them back um, because God is about ready to accomplish a new exodus mm-hmm. and a new yeah. a new That's accomplishment. Good. That's good. So <clears throat> when we look at what John the Baptist did, we've talked about this some. Uh, I had mentioned a, a couple things. One, John was known as the baptizer. Uh, he was known to be baptizing mm-hmm. for forgiveness of, of sin. Right? And so this is what people were going for, which I don't know how much you guys know or how much you've studied in the past. But uh, as I mentioned, baptism wasn't uncommon. It wasn't something that nobody would not have known about but in the jewish uh tradition the jewish people did not need to be baptized it was the gentiles who were going to enter into judaism who would get baptized now there was baptism happening it seems in other religions uh so again they might have known that or heard about that also and so what john was doing was very different calling out the people of god to repent and to be baptized. This was a different way of thinking. It was a whole new system, really, compared to what they were used to of the sacrificial system in order for sins to be forgiven. Um, But there's a a specific reason why it's happening this way, uh, which was another point, uh, and that was that John was preparing the people for Christ to come. And so he, it was important that in order for Christ to come and to accomplish what would happen, you people the people of God, you need to know that you are sinners. Uh, This kind of harkens back, too, to what he said to the Pharisees when the Pharisees walked up. Remember, he says in Matthew, you're a brood of vipers, right? And he... He tells them about their about their sin. He I had it I had it pulled up here on my in my Bible, but then I turned away for some reason. Uh, let me pull it up. It says you brood of viper, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, "We have Abraham as our father." For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Right, and so John is attacking right at the heart of it, saying, "I know how you're going to plead. You're going to say you're of Abraham, and so you're of the people of God." John's kind of like, I can make this stone be a child of Abraham. I'm, I'm not thinking about that. You need to repent. You need to prepare yourself because the Christ is the Christ is coming, and this is what needs to be ready, right? And <clears throat> what we see of importance with that, I think, is it's kind of the same message we have today as the church, don't we? Is people do need to know they are sinners. I'm not saying you go around and you brood of viper. viper. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying that's necessarily our. That's tactic. what you told me one day. There are people who need that. There are definitely people who need that, right? (laughs) But it does show that without the understanding of sin and the need of repentance, then there is no understanding of Jesus and what he came to do and what he has done. That is a very important thing that is kind of getting washed away by some churches. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Would you agree? Of mm-hmm. yeah no I think baptism at this time right like you said was a it's a washing it is a purification you even see that connection later on in John where um, 
there's a discussion between uh, John's disciples and a Jew over purification, we read. Um, and then it talks about baptizing. So ba- this, <clears throat> the reason why the Gentiles were baptized was a purification element. They were mm-hmm. unclean, therefore they need to be, they're, they're unclean, toxic, contaminated. And then by becoming a Jew, you need to be cleansed. You need to be washed. You need to get scrubbed clean. You need to be sanitized. And that's the symbol. And the Jews thought, well, if you're born of a Jew, you don't need to be there was right. a ceremony. You were not, you're not unclean. And that's why it was so radical what John was saying. No, the ceremonial cleanness is not what you need. You need to be made clean on the inside, all in, completely a new person. And so his baptism as a baptism of repentance was a baptism of, of cleansing. And that's why all these people are in the water acknowledging their sins. But the acknowledgement of their sins doesn't cleanse them. It's the water that's promising to them some uh, washing away of sins, which ultimately comes with the one who steps into the water, who doesn't have any sins to confess, but has all the sins to take to himself for them. Which is which leads to his conversation later yeah. with Nicodemus in John chapter three. Yeah, right. That was so confusing to Nicodemus when he's saying, "No, you have to be born again." Yeah, and Nicodemus is like, "What?" How can I do that? How can I do that? But what Jesus is talking about essentially there is yeah, a, a whole new a whole new cleansing, like completely, <laughs> completely, and it can only be done one way. Right. Yes. And that's what John's pointing to. There's an, that, and, yeah, yeah, and and there's no this comes, this cleansing does not come by reformation of life. Mm-hmm. That's what because right. Nicodemus could have gotten on board with that. So what's the new thing we need to do better? Right. And Jesus is saying it's not about doing better. You gotta die. And you got to start all over, right? You can't. There's got to be a new life happen, yeah. and, and that's rightfully what, so. Nicodemus was confused. By yeah, what was happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. because that yeah. the gospel blows our minds. Because when we come to Jesus initially, we think Jesus is there to give us the tips in order to change our life by reforming our life, and uh, that's that's not what Jesus came to do. He came came to to kill your old life and to give you a new life. That's death and resurrection. That's that's what sanctification is. That's what the experience of repentance and faith is. That is that repentance is dying, faith is living. Um, that same dynamic is is found in the Christian life, and and it's it's strange. Yeah, and so that's that's the main role we see of John is is pointing people to Christ to prepare people for Christ, and the way he does that is by forgiveness saying you need forgiveness of your sins and this is why he was known as the baptizer right as we just mm-hmm. as we just talked about um the other thing i threw in there that john is known for is baptizing jesus and that whole thing which uh, the message wasn't about jesus's baptism necessarily but it needed to be said that he did have the privilege of of baptizing jesus even though he himself saw it to be awkward because uh, when jesus came in he's like what are you doing this mm-hmm. this isn't for you you don't need this but Jesus tells him, no, this needs to be done to fulfill all righteousness. And we see we see Christ in his humanity there, right? We really see Christ connecting uh, with us. Uh, but then he had quite the scene after his baptism, which it doesn't record there in John, but it records in the other Gospels of the dove coming down, of the Father speaking, this is my son. Right, and uh, the Spirit descending on the, on the Son there. And, and John got to witness that. John got to be... John got to be a part of that. But going back to what we had talked about before with John, 
even with all of that happening and John being present, we do still see a little bit of struggle with John because he's a sinner. We see, we see John's humanity, which should give us great hope, right? Because I know there's a lot of Christians out there who they've had these experiences where they're in church or they're at something, whatever it might be. And it just feels like God has come down to them and, and really dealt with them. And we thank God for those times, you know, where we're repenting of sin or we're just worshiping. And then we get to another point in our life later where we're, that just feels so foreign now. And we are having doubts and we're struggling and we're even asking the question, like, how can I worship today? How can I do this? I, I man, I just don't even know if God deserves it anymore. John is one that we can look to and be like, man, he baptized Jesus. He heard the father say, this is my son. Yet later he goes, he sends people to Jesus saying, can you just double check, you know, just make sure yeah. type of thing. <clears throat> it just shows that struggle within all of us, the humanity in all of us of, mm-hmm. of sin and doubt um, that is there and that we pray that God continues to uh, uh, to help us with. But but John had that privilege of, of baptizing Jesus. That was another thing that John did. Scott, did you have something you were wanting to say? I thought you were acting like it for a second. Not yet. Okay. We haven't got to your point yet. No. Okay. No. I'm, I was I was asking myself a question. You were asking yourself a question. It's <clears throat> interesting. Huh. Okay. Okay. So, the whole thrust of the message, I hope it, I hope it showed, was to talk about the fact that John's whole life was devoted to pointing people to Jesus, and so we still hear his call today, right? That this is what we need to do. We need to look to Christ. People need to. They need to look to Christ. Sinners need to look to Christ. We as Christians continue to look to Christ. We we heed John's call. We're not looking for another. We're not we're not focusing on some pastor or trying to find some other prophet. No, we're heeding the prophet of prophets' voice, who is pointing us to Christ, saying, "Look to Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." As it says there in John uh, chapter one, um, verse like twenty something. What is it? Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 29. Uh, this is what we must do. This is what we want to do. This is what God and his grace has allowed us to do, is to look to Christ, to be saved by him. Now, the other thing that I kind of pointed out too, though, is as John's whole life was devoted to pointing people to Christ, God in his kindness has given us this ability too, that we have the privilege now of looking back because we, we celebrate Christmas, we know Advent, we, the waiting, we, we don't wait. Christ has come. And so we point people to Christ. We get to say, look, he has come. It is true. And this is what he has done in his love for you, right? He's, he's went to the cross. He's, he's lived the life you couldn't. We, we have the privilege of, of pointing people to Christ. And so we can be uh, like John the Baptist in, in that way. And, and what I meant by that, I, I didn't say it, but that whole idea of calling, I think, sometimes is difficult for people. They're just waiting for that special calling, and they would look at John the Baptist maybe and say, look it, he had his calling and he knew it, right? And he got to live it. Man, I wish I just knew my calling and da-da-da-da-da. This is our calling as believers. God tells us very clearly to point people to Christ. We live our life for Christ. We constantly look to him. Uh, we worship him, and we get to point others to him by the way we live by our words, by our actions as well. And so we continue on in this great tradition of John the Baptist of trying to do that. That's why we're Baptists. That's why we're that's why we are there, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Is we <clears throat> we get to point people uh, to Jesus. 
Um, and I think that's really what you take from the life of John, uh, which I think we would all hope one day when we die, our headstone could say the same thing. Pointing was pointing people to Christ, right? Look, was looking to Christ mm-hmm. and was pointing people to Christ. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what we would want, I think, as faithful Christians mm-hmm. to for people to say about us when we are done and gone. Mm-hmm. Did I get to your point, Scott? I don't think I did. Or we said it when you were gone. No, you probably but said But you it can bring it up. No, it's okay. Let's see. No. Maybe it's a point that's needed. No, I think... Do not rob I the think, people. I think what you said was very good. Like John's, the... Um, when John says he must increase, but I must decrease, that's one of my favorite mm-hmm. verses mm-hmm. in all of Scripture. Yeah, it's one that I would hope that I, well, one that I would like to try to live my life by. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, of yeah, him increasing, me decreasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you guys got anything else? It was a different kind of sermon, kind of like a biographical one, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I mean, that is what verses six through eight was talking yeah, about. Is is talking about John the Baptist as the witness, and so I thought, well, yeah, let's just take John and. And look at him a little bit. St. John's in Monroe. Is it St. John the Baptist? I think it is. Mm-hmm. It's St. John the Baptist? I think it is. Yep. Yep. Okay. My dad went to school you there. Can see right? the stat- you can see the statue of him is he- in the thing. <laughs> I don't know if he's got the, the You guys know pointing. what I'm talking about. Da Vinci, his very oh, last, yeah. his very last painting yeah. was it's, John the Baptist. Uh, mm-hmm. And John the Baptist is like holding his finger across his chest like mm-hmm. this and pointing up. It's like, it's like this. He has no beard. He's got long yeah. brown hair, very soft skin. And his other hand is clutching his chest. I think there's a little bit very, of... Um, <laughs> And when you, it makes you question some things about Da Vinci. I'll just say, leave it there. When you read okay. the the Louvre, the Louvre, right in Paris, the Louvre, that's yeah. where it's at. Mm-hmm. When you read its description, it is very woke description now because it's saying how Da Vinci was embracing gender identity oh, and boy. questioning with John the. Ba- and it's when amazing. you look at the painting, you can be like, it kind of does look like that. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, that's just an interesting picture. But their whole the argument is that people didn't understand gender identity back then. Whatever. Anyways, just... Da Vinci was ahead of his time, Scott. <laughs> you know what? That's, uh, true. that's true. He really was. He was. He was. I mean, yeah, it's an it's interesting a fascinating painting. guy. It is a not as fascinating as John the Baptist, though. Mm-hmm. No, nope. yeah, a pretty cool Ninja Turtle too, Leonardo. Yeah, this probably my favorite turtle. Yeah, the blue one. Yep, mm-hmm. the blue one. The leader, <laughs> Raphael. <laughs> Michelangelo. I, I was never a Ninja Turtle guy. I, really? No, I wasn't. It's surprising. I, it, it, I know. it didn't yeah. come out in the anime, yeah. and so it wasn't. <laughs> a no, I would have. I think I would have. I do remember they. It was like their uh, before. It was like you. their light. Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit. They're like live action movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they had. Yeah, yeah. My grandma had that at her house in North Carolina, <laughs> and every time we would go visit her in North Carolina, I would want to watch that movie. Yeah, yeah. Did, that which one? Was, did you see the one where they go to Japan? I don't remember. No, this would have been remember. the first one. That was probably. in the this 80s, would have, right? No, this would have been the with the hockey player yeah. uh, guy. Yeah. I don't know. I would have been watching that movie in like the 90s. In, yeah. In yeah. the mid 90s. Yeah. 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 Turtles were like late 80s. Yeah, 90s. late 80s. Yeah. It was a very good video game. Very good arcade game. Oh, that was, a, good, yeah, that was a fun game. It was a good arcade game. There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Is it fun. in Monroe Mall still? <laughs> Maybe he had Aladdin's Castle. <laughs> Aladdin's Castle? <laughs> That's what it was called back in the day. Uh, <laughs> you, had, cool. you still have a, a little token? I do. Somebody there. at VBS brought yes, an Aladdin's one of those Castle little kids. token. Wow. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, I grabbed it. Hmm. Anyways. All right. Anything else? No? All right. Well, we thank you for uh, listening. Uh, we did have some issues with the audio I, I heard from uh, the sermon, this sermon, so I don't know if it'll be put up or not. We're going to try to see if we can find it in another location, uh, the audio. But just a, 
technical difficulty, which happens, nobody's fault, uh, those things just take place. So if you don't see the sermon on here, sorry, you should have been there, I guess. Uh, but maybe this could be helpful too uh, for you. That's why that's why we're doing this. Well, next week we'll continue in John uh, chapter 1, probably verses 9 through 13. That's where we'll be looking because I want to hit verse 14 on Christmas Eve morning when we'll be together. We do hope to see you this, this coming Sunday. I hope that you and... Uh, try to invite people to church, your family and your friends. This is a good time of year for that. People are more willing usually during this time of year uh, to come, and we will do our best to uh, sing the gospel, preach the gospel, talk about the gospel, and who knows what God can do uh, in their lives. So we hope to see you uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, But until then, we hope that you have a, a great week. God bless.